1: Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and Host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods.
2: Hello, welcome to One Hour at a Time. Um this is Mark Green. I'm standing in for Mary Woods today and I'm lucky to have I'm the medical director at Westbridge and I'm lucky to have Lauren T and Andy P with me today who have written a book, The Big Book Simplified, um, which I've been reading through this weekend and enjoyed a lot. Um, And Lauren and Andy, welcome to One Hour at a Time.
3: Thank you for having us.
2: You're welcome. It's good to have you. Um, You're in uh, California right now, right? Well, I'm actually in New York. And I'm down in Florida. Down in Florida, okay, because it's, slushy, sleety ice here, Um, so I'm envious of anyone elsewhere. Um, So, Lauren and Andy, um, perhaps you could tell me a little bit about why you decided to, a a little bit about yourselves and how you've come to the decision to write the big book, Simplified.
4: Okay. Well, the the project actually began about ten years ago for me, that... um, I was uh, in my prior life. I'd been a a, a consultant and a, and a tax attorney and so forth. And I got was involved in the
2: addi-
4: yeah, a tax attorney. Oh, Okay, and, uh, attorney. okay. <laughs> a state Yeah, and I uh, <laughs> migrated over to the internet for the last ten years of my career. And then I, I got involved in the addiction world, and what uh, I started working in treatment centers and. And i really approached it as a consultant by just walking into you know a new a new subject matter and you know and I was told that the you know the a big book had sold more copies than anything other than the bible and uh they probably got to update that now for the Harry Potter series, but uh, <laughs> that's <true>. say, <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh sold you know twenty million some copies and and I started running uh study guide groups for uh the addicts and the Different treatment centers, and I was just amazed at, at how many people who you know could claim that they had read the big book. Um, you know, they thought they understood what the you know the principles were in the book or the critical messages. And um, and then what I would you know do is I would pull the group and I would say, how many collective years do we have in this room? And, you know, if there was 15 people in there, they, you know, I would add it up and say, so we've got about 100 years of experience with AA in this room. So let me ask you some basic questions. And I never got the same answer twice. And that just startled me. I mean, you're, you know, you're in the medical profession, and if somebody was in, you know, doing the Atkins diet or Weight Watchers or, you know, one of those programs, they could describe pretty quickly, you know, what it's about and, you know, how it works. And I, I realized that there was just a uh, really a gap in the, in the treatment center process where, you know, there was a focus on, you know, addiction as a disease. There was, you know, a, in the past 20 years it's evolved to realize there's underlying psychological issues. But, you know, the bulk of programs, uh, you know, still use the, the 12-step or the, you know, the AA principles in their treatment facilities. And I started writing uh, just basic questions and answers to bring out the main points and tried it out with a group. And I ran it for 12 weeks, and they at the end of it, they, I had several people come to me and say, you know, thanks, I finally get it. And the most common reaction was, I never knew that was in the big book.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So it really sat on my computer for uh, probably three or four years, and then... Uh, through a common friend, I uh, met up with Lauren, and perhaps Lauren could explain how she uh, you know took her from there
2: please
3: so I, I met up with Andy through a common friend, as he said, and was thrilled to to read this this book that he had written, this workbook, and as someone that works a recovery program in Overeaters Anonymous, I am aware of the fact that the 12-step method has been adapted widely by fellowships of people recovering from various addictions, compulsive behaviors, and mental health problems. There's dozens of fellowships for you name it kind of addiction, and You know, the nature of the programs themselves, with it being anonymous, non-organizational, prevent wholly accurate and reliable figures in terms of their statistics for success. That being said, I've certainly seen a lot of people in my own fellowship struggle with the content of the big book. I was actually in a meeting last night where someone said, you know, I have the big book, I read it every night, and I don't know what's going on. And, you know, myself, I've read the big book many, many, many times, and I can tell you I will continue to read it. And every time I do, there's new insights and new depth that I reach. But for someone coming fresh into a a room or into a 12-step fellowship, it can be daunting. Mm. So I took the book that Andy had written and gave it an overhaul and kind of rewrote it in some ways and applied the 12-step program and fellowship to all addictions. And from there, he and I have kind of been, you know, sitting with this, this book for a while and been getting quite a lot of response from different rehab facilities, therapists, et cetera. And we're currently working on a website, which is um, recoverychoices.com, which um, people can reach us at. And As well, um, the book is available on amazon.com and at Choices Bookstore in Manhattan. But um, my, my role was to come in and kind of, Simplify what he had started and apply it across the board for all addictions.
2: I see so tell me what kind of um, common misconceptions were you finding I mean you know going through the book um, mm-hmm. there's so the, tell people a little bit about the format of the book um, if you could, because I want to introduce the idea of the um multiple choice questions there okay
4: um, well the original you know, the name of the big book came from the idea that it was a really big book <laughs> back in 1935 and the the first 164 pages of it are they remain unchanged and they they, they changed the back of it uh, which is a lot of personal stories and what we did is we we tried to reduce the the 164 pages down to what are the really main critical messages here and highlighted it and put it in kind of a study guide Outline form where people could grasp the main points and then to follow that up with the um which I think is really the the, the true value for a treatment center uh to use with it you know when it's it's treating addicts initially who are there or who are re, you know in there for uh because they've relapsed and didn't get it the first time that to use these multiple-choice questions not really as, you know, like an IQ test or, you know, a final in a college exam, but rather, you know, to present it so the the main point and the correct answer
2: is fairly obvious. And if people... It is, know, but I'll tell you what struck me about these. I mean, at first reading, I thought it was ridiculous. Like, so, mm. But then, um, I you know, I, I thought about it a bit more. So, for example... Um, According, you know, I'm looking on page 17. It says, you know, according to the doctor's opinion, Mm -hmm. the only relief suggested for addiction is a abstinence, b drinking one beer a day, c drinking from beer to whiskey, or whiskey to beer, d going to the bathroom every half drink. (laughs) Uh, And you know, it's kind of like a duh question, but then you you realize that there's plenty of people walking around out there justifying their um, justifying what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Constantly, so sort of say, well, you know, I will just switch to one beer a day, or I will just switch from whiskey to beer. Like these are answers which people do find within themselves over the course of their disease, right? So um, a lot of the questions, and once you know, you mm-hmm. know. But do you find that in discussion, people are bringing up stereotypes or ideas that they already had?
4: Yeah, I, I, I think you know one of the one of the nice things about the book is is that it was. It was field tested for a long time. Mm-hmm. That um, that you know, if you actually you know, if you're on the front line of addiction treatment, which is you know the, today there's like 1.8 million people a year, or at least we're in 2007, you know that, that are going to seek treatment. You know, and they come in for various addictions, and that they arrive also in different states of mind. You know, some of them you know are uh, you know. A, are not you know they're they're still withdrawing in effect from their drugs and or their alcohol and their minds aren't really crystal clear yet and what I, what I found was is that if if the question was complicated it often became frustrating
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, that there I tried to interject humor in there where it, it would make a group setting uh, actually make the process enjoyable
2: yeah.
4: instead of feeling being that, that they were being tested you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if, if people laughed at certain answers, I said, well, that one's a winner, you know. Okay.
2: If, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If they thought That's it was
4: right. absurd. I said, one of, the, one of the major changes I did, I had a lot of, uh, initially I had a lot of, like, you know, the standard multiple choice type question where you would say the correct answer is all the above or none of the above. Mm-hmm. You know, and those became complicated,
2: right. you
4: know. Right. And I said, well, let's take those out.
2: Okay, so part of the common struggles that you were experiencing which led to your desire to um, write this manual was that um, there's people probably at um, different uh, cognitive capacities because of protracted or early or protracted withdrawal as well as different education levels and different cultural backgrounds who may be daunted by a big book. Yeah, exactly.
4: And, you know, what's interesting about the addiction world is that there's a, you know, the federal government has several websites on it, but they, they actually break it down pretty good. And the, uh, you know, some of the statistics are kind of interesting that, uh, you know, most people think, I think the world's changed a lot in the last 10 years, you know, but the, uh, and certainly in the last 25 or 30 years, but the, uh, you know, the statistics show that about, you know, 65% of the people entering the programs are white, um, about 21% are black. And actually, 41% have high school uh, diplomas, and 17% have have attended college for 13 to 15 years or more. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, you know, there's a real mix in there. You know, I think
3: our goal, a big part of our goal, is to reach the treatment world because, you know, in the 30-day time period, which is the average for rehab treatment, people are going to, you know gain a tremendous amount in terms of sobriety and so forth, but they're likely going to be suggested and encouraged to attend meetings in their hometown and to get a sponsor and to work a 12-step program. I would say something from you know pretty comprehensive study of the various facilities out there from top to bottom, about 90% of them are aligned with the 12-step model. So they're all going to be encouraging use of these 12 steps and the tools and so forth found in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Sure. However, they're not going to really explain very well. There is no educational curriculum to go through the big book. Mm-hmm. At best, facilities are taking their clients through the first three steps. But then what? And right. this book is not it's not a guide to the to the steps. There's a ton of guides out there. You can get the lesbian's guide, the artist's guide, the professional's guide, the you name it. This is something that very simply, very clearly Chapter for chapter, through the big book, highlights the critical messages in a very casually written style, very simple, non-threatening, with Q&A format designed with language that, you know, that addicts can understand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not intended to, you know, it's intended, as Andy mentioned, to make people laugh. You know, I have found in my recovery so much joy in life and freedom that I, I would have never imagined possible. And one of the greatest things is the humor. And that would be, you know, it would be remiss to exclude that in in the way that we go through the, this workbook. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's also part of the structure. It's, it's it's to mention and kind of drive home the point that the big book simplified. is kind of like a cliff notes, if you will, for the big book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the big book, read it. Read it, read it, read it, read it many times. But for someone new, this will explain to you in a very brief way like what this whole program is about, such that when you walk out of a program or even a seating going through the book, you'll understand what this whole thing is about.
2: Okay. Well, thanks for that introduction. We're going to take a short break now and come back after after that. Thanks so much.
1: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
6: For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, shamanic technologies of consciousness and success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.
7: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
0: queenie's happy hour is the place for fun every monday night after work pull up a bar stool and let your favorite bartender mix up some life laughter and learning Queenie, also known as Nancy Wagerski, is a certified facilitator of the Law of Attraction and is here to start your week with a smile and education about making the Law of Attraction work for you. Pour yourself an after-work martini and join us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for Queenie's Happy Hour on the Voice America Business Channel.
6: Ready to lift your spirit? Join Karen Tatanich every week for Spirit Connections. Karen will share with you the power of energy work. It can get you through the good times and the tough times. Karen will bring together stories of hope and good news based on her work with all aspects of energy. There are people and companies out there that are bringing joy to our planet. You'll learn about the power of spirit at home, at work, and at play. Spirit Connections is broadcast live Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network.
1: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time.
2: Hi, welcome back. This is Mark Green, medical director at Westbridge, standing in for Mary. So I've got Lauren and Andy, who's written uh, the big book simplified. We're talking about AA and bringing twelve-step programming into um, uh, the treatment world. And in the break, we we're talking a little bit about some of the motivations for writing this book. And and Andy was uh, stressing that a lot of this was to do that there was something of a gap in treatment and language between the AA world and and the treatment centers. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'd say that's true um, between something of the medical and biological models and, in particular, the spiritual emphasis within 12-step programs. And for many, this is an obstacle um, and an initial uh, bulking um, at the engagement in 12-step processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 's nicely laid out in um the big book, but in your experience you 've you 've come across this a lot i 'm sure, and you 've gone to some lengths in in your book to discuss this. Can you say a little bit about each of your take on that and what perhaps that process was like for yourselves
4: okay well uh, i I think the probably the uh The hardest thing to reconcile initially, when a person enters the world of addiction, is is that um, you know that you've got a disease. Mm. You know, and most people think of a disease as you know it's all it's it's just like mental illness. It's it's much easier to identify. You know, there's something wrong with the heart. There's something wrong with your blood pressure. You know, than there is something wrong with your thought process. You know, and the you know the, the operative line in you know, in AA literature, in the big book, is is that you know the bottles were uh, only a symptom. You know, we had to get down to the underlying causes and conditions. And and clearly, the message of the big book is, is that if you if you're uh, willing to go to any lengths to to become sober, or if you're willing to go to any lengths to quit using drugs or prescription drugs or whatever your your symptom may be. Then to you know to take these steps you know and what the the big book is really written about it's it, it's hard to grasp at first is that this is really a way for someone to have a a really a secular spiritual awakening you know it's it's not promoting any particular religion over another um, you know but it's belief in a higher power and. What's what's interesting is is that if you know it actually says in the big book two things that I think are that are, are kind of profound. I mean, people's you know, alcoholism and addiction affects millions of people, not just the addicts, but their families, their friends, their you know their workers, everyone. And um, you know, in, in the big book, it says we wrote this to show you precisely how we recovered. It was the first hundred members of the AA, and it also goes on and says that. You know people who are looking for you know people ask the question, "How do I find this higher power? And it says in there, the same thing. That is precisely why we wrote this book. Mm-hmm. And you know I think it takes people many tries, and one of the gaps that, that that I see you know all the time is is that you know the first three steps are you know are undertaken in the twenty eight day treatment programs, and then they're told now go to AA. And what what baffled me was, I said, for a disease that is so prevalent in our society, and we see more and more about it every day now, you know, you've got television shows with it, that, um, you know, the acquisition of knowledge should not be random, you know, depending on who's running a meeting or where you happen to go or who you choose as a, spon- as a sponsor to help you as a coach through this process. Mm-hmm. And, and And that's, you know, I think, but that was probably the, the driving force that, you know, what the, what the, the message is clear. And it says that basically what the, the first 100 members, they had a 75% success rate. Today, they, you know, people estimate it's somewhere between 3 to 5%. And one of the reasons is, is that they've lost sight of the original messages that were in the book. And probably the most important is, is that they, they claim that they have a daily reprieve. And they mean daily. It's it's one day at a time, and it's contingent on the maintenance of a spiritual condition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's actually has a doctor's opinion in the big book, and it, the, the doctor concludes it was written in 1935, which you'll probably find interesting as a physician, is that um, you know that there are. He recommends the last statement as I recommend people read this book, and for those who scoff at it, may they remain to pray.
2: You know, um, there's an uh, evidence-based manual um, 12-step facilitation um, that you may have used in um, some of your treatment facility experiences, um, which um, in Project Match, um, which I guess is 10, 15 years old now, um, they randomized um, patients to 12-step facilitation, standard counseling, cognitive behavioral therapy approaches, Mm-hmm. Um, with a diff- with a set of different medications also, and twelve steps facilitation um, was easily as effective and probably slightly more effective um, than the other um, treatments, and consisted of um, f- helping the person um, become more engaged with twelve step programs, explaining the twelve step concept. Um, advocating and supporting and facilitating <coughs> initial involvement and on later ongoing involvement, suggesting and discussing readings, and really just facilitating the the process. Um, and they published a nice manual um, available on the internet at drugabuse.gov to um, explaining basic twelve step concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, your book goes beyond just the twelve step concepts, and um, I think it has some nice chapters. Um, summarizing other aspects of the uh, the big book, for example, um, the doctor's story and um, addressing issues of the family and um, spouses. Could you say a little bit about um, some of the other chapters that you've um, incorporated into this book?
3: Sure. Well, the the chapter format in the Big Book Simplified is exactly parallel to the chapter format in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. So I think, you know, and I certainly can't, I I don't know what he was thinking, but um, it was pretty genius what, what Bill W. did when he wrote this back in the 30s. So we wanted to, you know, maintain the authenticity and integrity of those words to the best of our ability and to address the fact that when one is an addict, that affects everybody around them, including their employers and their wives and their families, and to acknowledge and bring light to the issues that are sure to come about, you know, as a result of this person's addiction. So, you know, I mean, certainly I can, I can relate to, you know, experiences of my own and in, in, in how um, you know, my addiction had affected personal relationships and so forth. And, you know, to address that and to recognize that both from an addict's perspective and from a familial, friendly employer perspective was critical to Bill W. as it would be today. And um, I think that using these other chapters is just to, you know, bring light to those other you know, ramifications of an addiction. mm
2: mm-hmm.
4: And we tried to do in there as well is that uh we put in the, what we called the editors notes. Yeah. Is that um you know, one of my you know, just observations when I first entered this world is is that you know, that this was written back in, you know, nineteen thirty five. And you know, PTSD for example, you know, post traumatic stress syndrome, you know, really wasn't widely recognized until, you know, the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. you know and when the more you read about the subject you realize that you know in the, just my personal experiences as well and I've, I've read it from several authors is that you know the, there are, there are trauma issues that are underlying many addictions right you know there are abuse issues that uh all forms you know that uh that lead somebody to try to uh, you know to self-medicate and you know into kind of bring those, those points home to people, you know, that, uh, because it, that, that it's almost like the, the world of, you know, uh, you know substance abuse and, and, and mental health, you know, many times even at, at the government level is, you know, it, it takes a lot of, uh, it's a big challenge to coordinate those two.
2: Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, over the last decade, there has been a lot of coordination and mixing of um, services and uh, records. And actually, in the last month, there was a very interesting paper published looking at um, the early, early provision of um, um, good trauma. Um, therapy um, in people with um, addictions and comorbid um, PTSD, instead of waiting for um, a certain level of sobriety, or mm-hmm. instead of, or um, time to elapse, or certain number of skills, or things to come, aggressive early treatment of the trauma resulted in much in far superior outcomes um, for the. Um, for recovery um, of both the addiction and of the uh, PTSD. Um, And I think, unfortunately, traditionally, the um, 12-step community also uh, lost sight of the interweaving of people's personal um, psychiatric illnesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And there may have been an, an emphasis which doesn't, feel to me to be represented within the big book, but an emphasis which developed culturally within the 12-step community to, um, upon the, the drinking and addictions at the expense of um, the dual disorders, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know whether that's something which um, you've experienced or um, we, we need to come up to a break, but perhaps we could... Um, talk a little bit about that because in your big book, Simplified, you do stress some of the stool uh, disorders at times and need to see other professionals. So perhaps you can come back to that after a short break. Okay. we okay. to. Thanks.
1: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
7: Common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's Westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders.
0: The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260 day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history?
5: Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Leonard Williams with co-host Jacob Greer. Each week, join Lemont and Jacob as they take callers, discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sit down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's boombox player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America channel.
2: Standing we um, we're talking about Lauren T. and Andy P.'s Big Book Simplified. I'm just asking them about um, the approach within the 12-step community towards the um, acknowledgement of dual disorders. And you know, I think in the in the Big Book there is discussion of um, um, people's personality and the way people's life has contributed. Um, to their um, illness, um, but then, for some reason, um, the twelve-step community got away from that in some ways. In, in some, I, I had felt, and um, that doesn't. In in this book, the attendance to the need to really address underlying issues and um, you know the reasons why people have. Um, found this solution um, so compelling, that part of for part of their lives um, seems to be more emphasized. So, so guys, um, you were telling you were telling me some interesting things on, in the break about that. Well,
4: yeah, I, I think that if you go back to you know way back to 1935, and even if you take a look at Bill Wilson's life, and it was a conflict that dates back that far. That hmm. uh, you know, Bill Wilson was. Abandoned by his uh, mother and father, he grew up with his grandmother. Uh, he fell in love with his high school sweetheart, and she died on the operating table, you know, just a general anesthesia, general surgery, and then went to World War One, which I still think is one of the probably the, the most traumatic wars we've ever fought. And he came back, and all of a sudden, he's a chronic drinker, right? You know, and I think you know he, any you know qualified counselor today or a psychiatrist would say that I see trauma issues, I see abandonment issues, I see you know, a variety of issues there. You know, and what it all manifests itself into is I would say that ninety nine percent of the people who enter a treatment center, whether it be through detox or the twenty eight day program or enter an AA meeting, they all say the same thing. And they say I'm in a lot of pain. And you know, I want the pain to stop. And you say, well, what's the pain? And you go, I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. and and that that issue there is is something I think that Wilson started to explore, but if, I don't think psychology was developed. They're really, and, you know, even up to the time of his death, and Dr. Bob, who was his the, the person who uh, helped, you know, co-sponsored or built uh, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous. He always, you know, he kept warning him. He says, "Don't get into psycho Bible. You know, keep it simple." Yeah. You know, yeah. and that conflict still endures. I think sometimes inside the the twelve step programs.
2: And Lauren, I you are making a very good and important point that, you know, the program is is not a, um, you know, a sponsor and a sponsee choose their own, um, have a specific relationship around working through the twelve steps. Um, and only so much time and uh, mission within that can you say a little sure
3: i mean addiction in in my opinion is is a disease and i appreciated andy's mention of the fact that this is this isn't something that is you know related to your cholesterol or your heart or what have you it it is you know born of the mind but it, it has very very physical manifestations and you know They say in in the book, in the big book, it says that there are people who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, and many of them can recover if they have the capacity to be honest, and I believe that, but there is a reality to the fact that sometimes when an addiction takes such a strong hold, a 12-step fellowship and the people within it may not have the capacity to manage the the magnitude of the problem and outside help will be needed so and you know I I can say from my own experience when when I was at my bottom certainly the 12 steps and the program that I was involved with didn't help me to the degree that I needed help I needed a nutritionist I needed a doctor I needed a therapist and you know slowly I was able to cut back on you know my quote-unquote staff and now my primary you know help is the 12 steps and my fellowship Mm. but when I was at a point of, like, serious illness, I needed, phys- like, physical help beyond the rooms.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I think there was um, a false dichotomy between um, people who said, look, it's all about the addiction, just stop drinking and um, life will be you know, happy, joyous, <laughs> and free," um, and did not focus enough on the underlying Suffering and pain, and then there were um, perhaps um, we're talking quite historically now. You know, psychoanalytic world would be focusing on the the um, pain and underlying aggressive drives without adequate um, attention to the habit um, and obsession, um, which goes, which is part of the addiction. Um, so, and these two just got into a squabble, which seems to be resolving now as. Both sides seem to have a blending um, an appreciation that there's a there is a drive which emerges and things do become habitual and shift people 's thinking that um, drinking is a, a, is the solution and the most rewarding and reinforcing. Um, path for them to take and crowd out other opportunities. So getting honest or talking you know requires a degree of trust, a a belief that someone's going to be there for you and and an addiction trumps that um and really distorts people's sense of faith and trust within another person. Um mm-hmm. but equally um people's um difficult either traumatic past or or mood swings can really l- make it much more likely that they develop um, a find a solution in drugs and alcohol temporarily, which then takes over as habit forming um, problem in and of itself. Right. Um, and and um, this seems to I th- I think a lot a lot of misunderstanding occurs. Um, and arguing between the two camps when they really need to be talking more thoughtfully together.
4: Right, and, and I think you know what we're really trying to do here, you know, is that you
2: know, there's a lot
4: of brilliant people who, who study this, who practice this every day. There, there are some great treatment centers out there, and that the, you know, when you, when you look at the common denominators, you find that there is generally a lot of education in there about the particular. Uh, you know symptom or, or the substance you're using you know what it's doing to you physically they they you know they they do individual therapy you know some people do it once a week you know for the period some people do it uh more often and there's a, a lot of group therapy you know this being run by you know qualified people you know and those issues start to emerge and hopefully they take it up with their you know their individual counselor and you know but the third part of it is, is that what what you were mentioning before is is that for the you know the what 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 addiction really is in many respects is it's a spiritual malady you know the people have lost faith they have low self-esteem you know then they they have very poor coping mechanisms for emotions and also in many ways functioning as an adult right. and you know and one of the things we've tried to bring out you know, through the big book simplified is, is that the, you know, the, the, the idea of that if, what you need to undergo is, is an entire psychic change. You know, how do you learn to identify emotions? How do you learn to, uh, cope with those emotions? You know, in other words, how do you really live life on life's terms without using some substance or some other behavior that's self-destructive? And you know, and hopefully you know if you that's what one of the beauties of the big book is, is a lot of people just equate the big book with twelve steps is that it's a uh it's extremely well written and it brings out a lot of points. It's amazing how far sighted it was for you know that period of time and it did have a high success rate and I think the you know the the primary focus of what we're doing is is that is you know clarifying that the people, the seventy-five percent who initially recovered on this thing, which the rate has dropped dramatically, that um, you know they were focused on the the spiritual aspect of the program, you know, and it doesn't rule out going to see psychiatrists, but I don't think they knew how to elaborate on it back then. Right.
2: Right. You know? Well, I think the spiritual the spiritual program is is a central core feature and um, recent research by. Um, John Kelly at Math General, you know is really focused on that spiritual component as um, pivotal in the success of um, participants in twelve step processes as well as the peer um, experience um, and support that people get, um, which is powerful in all um, different treatment modalities um, but the um, part of that spirituality is an acceptance of humility an sect- uh, acceptance of um, that your solutions aren 't working a willingness and openness and that's that 's um, very abbreviated as people mm-hmm. mention the actual wording of the steps but I think your book really tries to to bring that out a bit more um, and I wanted to ask you as you work through these different steps. You know, I, I've always been curious. You know, this sixth step is um, seems to be so quick and easy, but has a step all of itself. Can you can you talk to me a bit about that? About step six? Yeah, it's such a um, it's such a, a small thing, and yet it has its own step. Um, but I do hear the music indicating a. Um, a break coming up. So perhaps we could come back after that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, thanks.
1: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
6: Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you lack energy and enthusiasm? Do you really want to change your thoughts and feelings? Can you really stay sane when your life isn't? Of course you can, just by listening to Stay Sane Now each week with Claudine Struck and co-host Wesley Stoller. You'll have fun and learn how to make each new day the best day of your life. Every show is designed to energize and get you started off on the next week. Stay Sane Now is broadcast live Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week,
5: join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability.
6: You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights.
5: Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic.
6: Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk .network.
5: Destined to be an everyday change agent in your organization, your relationships, your community, learn how to become one when you tune in to the Change Agent on the Voice America Variety Channel. Justin A. Flunder, the Chief Change Agent leader of the Flundonian Group, will help you examine every aspect of your personal and professional life by observing your own thoughts, words, and actions. You will become the everyday leader that you are meant to be. The Change Agent airs live Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Have we got a high energy, all access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Leonard Williams with co host Jacob Greer. Each week, join Lemont and Jacob as they take callers, discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sit down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: So welcome back. This is mark green i 'm with Lauren T and Andy P who've published the big book simplified um, published by Recovery Choices, available through Amazon, an easy to read study guide to help addicts achieve recovery um, and a um, couple of points I, I, I want to ask you you know there's, there's a lot of emph- a lot of debate in the field at the moment about what well, it has been for. Ever right? Control drinking, moderation management, 12-step process. Um, And it's interesting in the big book, you know, that it talks about people giving it a shot. You know, you want to find out whether you're an addict? Go find out if you can control your drinking. And, you know, I was interested to be reading that again, you know, and, and wondered about the it, it because in some ways the the definition of who it's going to work for is def- is tautological you know it's well it's so that it's going to work for it's appropriate for those for whom other approaches aren't working um have you guys got a particular strong opinion about this issue here well you
4: know, i i think in you know I, It's one of the issues they address in in the book, under the chapter of "There Is a Solution," and it describes really three types of alcoholics. You know, and the first is somebody who can just take a drink and put it out. It's it's almost like the person who can just have, you know, one cigarette because you know they haven't had one for six months. You know, Uh, the second is is a, a person who. You know, if they're facing a real crisis or a doctor's warning and so forth that uh they say okay fine I'll quit you know and then it goes on that and what what's really what we're addressing here is you know the real alcoholic or the real addict you know the person who can have a horrific experience in their life a week ago and because they, you know, they blacked out, they made a fool of themselves, they got in a big fight with their spouse or whatever transpired. And one week later, they completely forget about it and they're back on the road again. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really, you know, for, you know, for your listeners that, that if, you know, it's a family member that's there, if, you know, if the person, you know, it's rare that a person can, uh, you know, just simply quit. And the way I look at it is, is, you know, kind of a, you know when I, when I hear people saying, "Well, you know I, I really don't have a drinking problem, and whenever I hear that or i don 't have a drug problem yeah. what it, what occurs to me first of all is is that people who really don't have a problem wouldn't ever say that you know it really wouldn't occur to them.
2: It's true, I guess. You see what I mean? It wouldn't have come to their attention or caused friction for them to need to justify their behavior,
4: right? You know, it's like I don't have, you know, I don't have a problem with overeating. You know, well, why did you bring that up? You know.
2: And
3: I think a critical piece as to your question mark as well is that if somebody's not willing to recognize their own problem, then the chance of them being receptive to help is slim to none.
2: Right. Although one of the one of the leading um, strategies for the for in recent recent years has been um, motivational interviewing, where um, you take a very non-confrontational stance and really work with people to see what their reasons are for their argument and their um, stance perhaps, for drinking, the advantages of drinking to them, um, and you make an alliance with them where they can then begin to be, um, explore um, some of the disparities, discrepancies, between their valued behavior and value, values for themselves and their their actual the behaviors, which um, uh, their actions that they're taking in the day-to-day world, and then begin to make a decisional shift. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the Personally, I think one of the problems um one of the downsides of um twelve step um approaches has been um come back when you're ready and mm-hmm. um i I think that's been supplanted somewhat by will we know how to reach you to help you become more ready willing and able to make mm-hmm. a change in your to your to your benefit um so there are actually ways of, you know, helping people um, decide that they want to, to take a different stance in their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, um, but, I, but I would agree that um, it's, you know, once, once people have made a clear decision um, that they have some problematic behaviors and need to um, take a different course, Um, things definitely go a a lot, lot easier. Um, People can reach out with desire. So, you know, um, tell me a little bit about um, what plans you've got for the future with the recovery choices and with the big book Simplified itself.
4: Okay. Do you want to read, Laura? Pardon? Um, You know, our first thrust on this was to, you know, to... To finish this book, to to get it out to treatment centers, and to make it available to them, to where they could you know they could run a structured, very educational, and standardized type format to teaching people about the big book, and that you know within our our website recoverychoices.com, you know what we we we've got several long-term, long, short-term, and long-term visions for it. But one of it is, is that um, you know, which I think we've touched upon several times today, Mm -hmm. is that there is no doubt in my mind that that true recovery, you know, in in today's world, is a a multidisciplinary type approach. You know, there's there's a lot of players on the team, and people need to be aware of that. You know, for some people, the all they got to do is make a decision to stop drinking and they stop. Others are going to AA and failing. And that's one of the issues that we're trying to address. And the other is is that people are going through treatment centers and they're using it as you know as basically as a way to stop drinking or using, you know, for you know whatever period of time they're in there, and then they're right back in there, you know, a month later or two months later, Mm -hmm. and to try to just raise the you know the uh, maybe you know my my I guess my personal fantasy off of this was is that you know, it, this, this course can be taught, the study guide, the cliff notes, whatever you want to call it, that it can be taught by anybody at the facility. Anybody who's got experience with a 12-step program or experience running a group that, uh, can very easily walk a group of addicts through these questions. And we've footnoted everything, so it's, it's meant to be a companion to the big book. Mm-hmm. And, you know, longer term, there are treatment facilities out there that, that do, more comprehensive, you know, uh, disciplinary type approaches. Yeah. And we'd like to identify those places and make informa- as much information available to addicts and their families as we possibly could.
2: Well, I'd say that um, 12-step groups is something we... we um make a lot of use of at uh, Westbridge amongst many other approaches that um, to reach out to people um, who maybe haven't made a commitment or even identified a desire to stop drinking. And this book, I think, will be very, very helpful um, for many of our clients. Um, so, Lauren and Andy, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, once again, they can get your book, The Big Book Simplified, over Amazon. They can go, they can go to Amazon or they can... Uh
3: Reach us directly at recoverychoices.com. dot com.
2: Well, thanks so much, and goodbye. Thank okay. Thank
3: you.